So, we've been in this series. Um, last week, Easter, it was fun. Had to figure out where to park people, where to sit people. It was awesome. Um, very, very likely, um, definitely the most attended service we've ever had here. Um, it was fun. And uh, all, all six chicks that were here for picture opportunities are alive. <laughs> they are well. They are fine. I don't know how many kids may have dropped them, squeezed them, whatever. They are fine. It was humane. It was good. We got home to our chicken coop, and we added a seventh chick to, to the little litter, or whatever you would call a small group of chickens. And uh, so there are more chickens now, um, and we checked on this morning. They're good. Uh, but man, what a, what a great day to baptize people. To, to see people come to freedom, come to hope in Jesus, that the old is, is washed away, the old is gone, and the new has come. It's amazing to dedicate babies, to, to have this fresh life. So we've been in this series um, called Simply Jesus. We don't do production well here. We don't want to do production well. We don't, we don't have the best graphics. We don't have the best uh, system and light show and all of that. Um, but I, our heart here is that Jesus is the main event that he alone is the attraction. And, and we just wanna passionately worship him, pursue him, love him, be transformed by him, be, be enamored in his presence, be students of his presence. So, so for us, our series for Easter and, and now for the next couple weeks, and, and before that was Simply Jesus. That's what it's called. I think we have a graphic. Simply Jesus, his last words. So we, we started off in John 13 through 17, the greatest teaching by the greatest teacher. His last night before facing the cross, his last night, and his heart portrayed for their hearts, the disciples there in that moment. And then last week, we really went into the Easter story, the crucifixion, but the resurrection. And then when he showed back up in John 20, and he showed up, and he breathed onto them, and he breathed, and he said, the Holy Spirit be in them, right? And then he talked about forgiveness, and we talked about, so where we're at here are these last words, and, and I just want to recap, because we're probably in our last couple of weeks of this, so I may not get to all eight times that Jesus showed back up after the resurrection, and, and, and to do this in the next two weeks, but he showed up eight times, and, and I think there's some significance there, especially for today, because I know, like, you intercessory prayer people, maybe prophetic people, you're like, eight, eight? Like, there's symbolism in numbers, Eight actually means rebirth, a fresh start, a new beginning. It's, it's this symbolic thing of this, this meaningful, on the, on the sixth day he, he had created all of everything, right? On the seventh he rested, on the eighth day, on what Sunday would be, on, on the eighth day he start, it starts back over. It's a fresh start. And I think how cool is that connection that, that Jesus showed up eight times and 40 days after the resurrection to talk to, to lean heart, to, to, to really focus on the disciples, some of their needs, some of their questions, some of this. And, and I think it's fitting for today that, that in the number eight, there's this fresh start. In a baptism, in baby dedication, there's this fresh start, right? And so here, here we are today, and the first time he showed up, it was to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. And in that moment, Jesus became victorious over despair to her. The second time he showed up was, was with um, the other women leaving the tomb. And in that moment, he gave hope and, and assurance and conquered and proving that he conquered death. The third time he showed up, Jesus met with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they had all these questions and Jesus was victorious and he overcame confusion. The fourth time was when Jesus appeared to the ten disciples. And they were afraid and, and, and that's what we really focused on last week. And, and he just shows up out of nowhere. Poof, Jesus is there in flesh form, right? 
And he's like, peace be with you. We'll get back into that today. But in that moment, he overcame and, and was victorious over fear. The fifth time, Jesus appeared to the 11 remaining disciples. And that's where we're going to start today in John 20. And we'll be there in a moment. But he overcame the doubt. And we're going to talk about Thomas. Okay, in the sixth time that he showed up, Jesus appeared to seven disciples, including Peter. And he overcame and he recommissioned Peter in failure. Peter had denied him. This was the third time. That's what we're going to focus on next week. And on the seventh time, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples at a location at Mount Galilee. And he was victorious over other power. He, this authority and power was given, right? So then the eighth time, um, it was Jesus finally appeared. 500 followers were there, and he confirmed the completion of his mission and promise. They saw him ascend, so he literally became victorious over all things. Those are the eight things. God bless you. Happy Sunday. <laughs> See ya. I'll get you to lunch. Don't worry. John 20. I will read quite a bit of scripture today, but John 20, 24 through 31. I'll see if I can get through all of this in the next 79 minutes. I feel like what Tyler did to me on Friday with this workout called Filthy 50, I owe him on this message. I should just make him sit here and suffer. I did scale. All right, 35 minutes, deal. I'll trade 35 for 35. So anyway, uh, John 20, 24 through 31. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later. So Thomas is telling this to the disciples. Eight days later, Jesus, it says, they were together. In the time Thomas was with them, the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. Because <laughs> they're freaking out. They're like, whoa, whoa, where'd you come from? So just bring yourself in that moment. You're in a room, you're hanging out. Thomas is sharing his heart. Man, guys, I wish I was there. I wish I would have been there. I, I want to see the nail-pierced hands. I want to I see the, the, the pierced side. I, I want to believe. I want to, how did I miss out, you know? And then all of a sudden, Jesus is there. And it says, peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be afraid or don't be faithless. Everybody say faithless. faithless. The message is faith and belief today. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. This is really the heart and the context of, of today and moving forward here for the next few, few moments, 33, I think I'm left. So, so anyway, there's this, there's this heart, okay? First off, there's a few points I actually have, okay? Jesus was not in this moment. Thomas is sharing his heart of what he wanted to see so that he could believe Jesus was resurrected. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. There's a few points here. First off, God, Jesus, he cares about what's on your heart. He cares about you. He cares about those questions, those concerns, those doubts. He cares about it. And let me just tell you, he is hearing your heart. He is hearing your thoughts. He is hearing what's on your mind. He's hearing what you disagree with. He's hearing your doubt. He's hearing everything, whether it's spoken out loud or not. 
He's hearing. He is so in tune with your needs, and he's so in tune and so in love with you. He knows what's on your heart. So there's a few things that Jesus always shows up when you need him. Jesus cares about what's on your heart. Even when you don't think he's around, he is there in that moment, and he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never abandons you, and he never leaves you high and dry. He's so good. But here's the other thing. Jesus did not condemn or confront Thomas for his doubt. We call him doubting Thomas, but do you know in the word, and Jesus never called him doubting Thomas? See, Jesus calls you by your identity and your purpose and your name, and he doesn't call you the things that the world or what others may call you or your past may call you. I was arrested. I was a, I was a nasty person. I have a number in the court system, right? I'm known by that in that system. I'm known by that background. I'm known by some of that. But Jesus called me by a different name. He calls me beloved. He calls me son. He calls me child. He calls me overcomer. He calls me more than conqueror. He calls me his, his, his royal priesthood. See, these are the things that Jesus calls us. Like, we can get down into the nitty-gritty, and, and, I, and I talked about a little bit of this, but we call the woman the woman with the issue of blood. But Jesus, when she, was, when she touched his garment and he says, and, and he, she was totally healed, and he said, who touched me? I felt healing leave my body. And all of a sudden, he, he recognized her. They have this exchange, and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. He calls her by her identity, not her issue. He calls her by her identity, not, not her past history. He calls her by her destiny, daughter that's that's what we're supposed to live out everybody who got baptized today dedicated today that's your you, you are being called by jesus by your identity your name your purpose your destiny not not your history and i love that story because first off he's also preparing thomas he's saying here here i am he's not he's not disciplining him he's not scolding him he's not condemning him he's saying here i am but there might come a day where i'm not going to show up in this physical form for you to see the bloomed hands of the scars and my pierced side that you can touch there's coming a day where, where you may be walking and you might need some faith where i'm not going to be there in person showing up and saying peace be with you he's preparing this group and he's preparing them because he's about to leave for good until his return that we would call the rapture he, that's what he's preparing their hearts, but it's in this graceful, merciful, great way. I think we want to condemn people. Well, Jesus, he, he, he lost faith. He fell in the water when he was walking on water. You ever walked on water? He has greater faith than me. I've tried. I can't do it. Like, there's these things, but we, we focus on that, and we focus on these things. When calling blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus when he was restored sight. All of these things, that this identity. So there's a heart in this message that is way beyond just Thomas's lack of faith and the doubting part of Thomas. It's the heart of Jesus showing up, saying, man, I knew what was on his heart, and I showed myself to him. He knows what's on your heart, and he shows himself to you. Nicole, I love what she went after uh, during that transition period. Whatever you need from Jesus, he is. It's summarized when he calls himself the I am. Everything, all-encompassing who Jesus is, is everything you need in that moment, in that season, in that year, in that death, in that tragedy, in that, in that victory. He is there in every part of what you need. Let, let, me, let me move on here. Luke 1, 26. I did a numbering system in my Bible today. Let's see if this works out for me. I'm usually like flipping around, losing bookmarks. 
I want to go back to Mary. I love, I love connecting things in the word. I love connecting the end of time to the beginning of time. All right, we did a little bit last week. So here's Mary. Mary is now having this encounter with an angel. The angel's showing up to tell Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. She's confused. She's, she's, she's I'm a virgin. How's this going to happen? Right, this is the exchange that's happening. And, and I just want to pick up for the sake of time uh, verse 35 says the angel actually let's go to 34 Mary asked the angel but how can this happen I'm a virgin the angel replied the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God what's more your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age People used to say that she was barren, but she conceived a son. She has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. This is fun stuff, all right? But, but Mary can't understand it. She can't comprehend it. She, she's like, she's got questions, right? And then it says this, and Then Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. By faith, she submitted to the will of God. By faith, she said, okay, your will be done, Jesus. So, so then we, we get down here to verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Now, now here's, here's a blessing that's poured out when we activate some faith. You are blessed because you believed. You are blessed because you believed. Thomas, he, he had doubted. When he saw Jesus, he believed so there's this, there's this blessing on belief in faith. You believe that the Lord would do what he said. Okay, let, let, let me just move on. Because Mary's faith, her obedience, her willingness, literally births the Messiah to the entire world for eternity. Let, let, let's move on. Hebrews 11. I'm zipping through. Hebrews 11. I'm going to jump around all over the place on this. Okay, Hebrews 11. This is a, de a definition of faith. Faith is the confidence. I, I want to go the, to the translation of what the confidence is here in a minute. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Okay, remember Jesus. Thomas, I'm here right now. Here it is. Blessed are those who see me and believe, but blessed are those even more who don't see me and still believe. Right? That's essentially what Jesus was saying. So, the faith of the substance of things hoped for, not always seen. But see, here's the thing. It is the confidence. Faith is the confidence. The translation is actually from the title deed. It would be, it would be like, okay, if you own a title to your car or your home, all right, those of you who are fortunate enough to own your home already and have the title in hand, God bless you, all right? You're doing well. So, but here's the deal. There is this, there is this it is, says the confidence that it is as much assurance of the title deed to your car or home believing that you actually own it. 
If somebody tries to come steal or occupy your home while you're not there, you can be like, no, th this is my house. I have the title. That's the same level of faith that says that is the amount of faith that, that says, no, God can do this. I have the title to prove it. It's, it's written out. His name, for his name's sakes, has signed the deed in our life for everything that we ask for. But let me move on here. Because then it comes to reality through all these examples. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that, we, that can be seen. Creation itself takes faith to believe, but let me just say, once you go, if you've never been to the Creation Museum, go. If you have questions about, about the, the creation and God's creation, how the universe exists, and you've questioned Big Bang, you've questioned evolution, all that, go to Creation Museum, and all of your questions will be answered. Scientifically, through data, through, through proof, all right? It is, it is actually the most flawless theory out there. Okay, but here's the deal. But it takes faith to still believe it. And then, here we go. It says, it was by faith that Abel brought more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Skipping down. I'm going to just skip through a bunch of verses. These are, this is the faith chapter. Read it. All right, you want to exercise your faith, just figure out what these guys did. And it's like, okay, all right, if they can do that, I, I think I can have some faith for, for this financial issue in my life right now. For this relational issue in my life right now. For whatever it is that you might be going through or will go through. All right, moving on. It was by faith Enoch was, was taken up to heaven without dying. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from a flood. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave a home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And later, as he did that, Isaac and Jacob would inherit that promise as well. Moving on, verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. 17. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed and worshiped as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith, in verse 22, that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would, e would leave Egypt. Verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him. Skipping down, 29, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. These are documented stories. <laughs> Listen, there comes a point in our life that sometimes God doesn't remove the obstacles. He makes a way through it. We expect God to do it this way to remove that. He didn't remove the sea. He parted it. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people of her city who refused to obey God. Now we get to this part, verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of a sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. It was by faith that all of this happened. It was walking with the Lord, trusting him in fa by faith. Thomas, 
it took faith, even when Jesus is there, like, wait, are we in a dream here? Is this a bit? What's going on? My Lord, my God. Let, let's, let's finish here. Matt, you can, you can come on up. Again, he doesn't always remove the obstacles. He creates a way through them. That sea was parted, and the army's pursuing them behind him. And all of a sudden, like, there could have been a, a hundred different ways God could have done this, but he didn't remove it. He, he made a way through it. When, when, when David was facing Goliath, da David didn't sit there and go through all of the check marks of how much bigger Goliath is. No, he focused on God. He focused on, on the victorious winner, not, not the enemy, not the, not the giant, not the battle that he was facing. I think sometimes that's the thing. We get, we get so enamored and we get so, so caught up in the issue at hand that we forget God's, God's got this. Like God is bigger than any trial or any issue or any circumstance or any tragedy that you'll ever go through. Not to say that it's not hard. Not to say I can't sit here and say that I've had the hardest life. No, I, I haven't. There's people in this room that have lost loved ones, spouses, children, multiple children. There's people in this room that have overcome addiction, that have been through way more things than me. But God. But God, because God doesn't determine, like, those tragedies, those issues, Catherine has said this time and time again, who's lost two children, among other tragedies in their family. And she says, tragedy, loss, trials don't determine the goodness of God. They don't determine the integrity of God. No matter what, he's good. No matter what, he's amazing. No matter what, he's powerful, all-knowing. Kathleen, going through cancer, it... it, it my dad and I, we spoke this week. And sometimes seeing that's hard. My mom, we lost, we lost my mom, his spouse of cancer. And as you start to journey this, you have to dig in and like, there's faith there. The very thing that tried to, to bite, and just like when, when Paul, the snake that tried to bite him was the thing that he was overcoming to give him the authority in. The very thing that's trying to bite you is probably what the Lord is putting in you to give you authority over. It's, so as we see this, it's challenging our faith. It's, it's stirring up some, some, some things of what we had to journey through when my mom didn't leave. But let me just say this, Kathleen. I don't believe for a second that God's still not capable of your healing. No matter what we saw, because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, not seen. Because we did see it in others. We have seen healing in others. We have seen victory in others. We have seen this. And let me just say this. That's the mustard seed that I need to claim onto because that testimony becomes a prophecy for it to happen again. Let me, let me close this out. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Number four of five scriptures. We're doing good. Am I at 35 yet? I haven't even hit the wall balls yet. <laughs> Those of you who are CrossFit know, just look up Filthy 50. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came to, to, and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He was in seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put, put, put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and he left and left it and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? 
Now this is an epileptic boy falling into fires and water. And he's got a demon. The Bible is full of some wild stories. And you see a flag in church and think it's weird. hitting his wall balls now. I got to move on. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, move from here, and that mountain would move. Nothing would be impossible. The scolding wasn't that they had little faith. It was they had no faith. What he's saying here is it wasn't, he was frustrated. He's like, you had no faith at all. Who knows? In the context of the story, maybe they didn't realize it was a demon. They were praying for seizures and they needed to be praying for the demon to come out. There's these things like, Lord, what do you want? What's the discernment? But, But here's the deal. It says you had no faith. It only takes faith of a mustard seed to move that entire mountain and it'll be moved. I love when we get into the heart of Jesus. So let's finish here. Matthew 28. This is Jesus' seventh appearance. Seventh, second to last words that he had left on this earth before he ascended to heaven to not return again until the final return. It says this. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus is showing up, showing him nail-pierced hands, the side, right? And some of them still doubted. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Jesus' seventh, second to last appearance, his seventh statement after resurrection is saying, now I'm giving you the authority that's been given to me. Go. As, as the Father has given me authority, I now live in you because I told you that I had to die so a comforter and an advocate, Holy Spirit, would come into you so the same God that raised me from the dead lives in you, is what he's saying. Now go make disciples. And he says, but remember, I'm always with you. That's all the faith we need. Jesus is in us. There, there might be trials. There might be circumstances. They may, there may be cancers to pray for. There may be sadness and tragedy in a school system. But man, when the shalom peace of heaven comes, you can't explain this stuff. I, I, I can't explain while a young man w- would die like that. I can't explain BJ being taken from Bruce and Catherine, 22-ish years old. I can't explain that. I can't explain a 17, 18-year-old kid passing away like this. I, I can't explain that. But the one thing that I have assurance and I have the deed in hand is that I know God's good. And I know that he will use tragedies for good. That's all I know. That I can't explain it. I don't know why. But the God of heaven, 
who showed up eight times and still pouring his heart out to these disciples and encouraged them in faith is commissioning us to still go and still make disciples and still bring his great commission to the earth to reveal people of his goodness, his love, his power. Stand with me. I'm past the burpees. I'm onto the jump rope. It's the final thing. I'm sorry to only focus on the crossfitters and some of that language, but it was traumatic. <laughs> Here's the deal. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that you'll be commissioned to go, that, that in those tragedies, in those times of doubt, God doesn't condemn you in doubt. God doesn't chastise you. He doesn't turn his back on you because you may question something about him. I think that is, when I was an atheist, people would just quote scripture to me. And I'm like, I know scripture. I grew up in the church. I know the word probably better than most people out there who are professing Christians. But I didn't know the God of the word. I knew the word of God, but not the God of the word. And, and I think that's a problem that we get into is, well, because the Bible says so. Well, it's great literature to a person who doesn't believe that the God was the author. It's a great piece of literature, great piece of literature. But here's the problem. When we, when we start to condemn people for doubt and not show them the answers and show them his love and show him his mercy and grace, and I'm not talking about quoting scriptures. I'm talking about being an example, showing them love. I'm going to pick on Kira for a minute. I had no agenda for Kira to ever come to our church and no agenda to change anything about Kira, to condemn her, nothing. Kira was fun. And I liked Kira. And I am filled with Jesus. And I love all people. I don't care what they believe. I don't care where they are. I don't care what they're involved in. I don't care what, what church they go to. When I got saved, God was very clear through the word, through great commission, and through encounters that I've had with him to just show his love, to reveal his light, to bring him glory, and to bring as many people to heaven with, with me as I can. And I learned really quick, a way not to do that is to condemn people. It's to quote, just spout off scripture and tell them everything they're doing wrong. What I learned really, really fast was, man, love conquers a multitude of sin. His love is more powerful than any condemnation that we'll ever receive. His power reaches hearts. His power convicts. His spirit convicts so I don't have to. That's my faith. My faith is that I live a life so wildly in love with Jesus, people may actually want that. Some won't, and it's cool. Like, we'll, we can still be friends. We can go to coffee together. We can go to the same gym together. That's cool. I, I'm not, I don't like you any less. This is how we do church. This is how I pursue Jesus. And if you want to come along the ride, the doors are open and we're, we're willing. And if that's a coffee shop version, an online version, or a different church, that's great. Bless you. There's, there's like 300 churches in Miami County. That's a real stat. Can you believe that? There's 26 in Tip City. There is not a shortage of churches. Just probably a shortage of people representing God in those churches. Because otherwise they'd all be full. 
Because if they were all full, we'd still only reach about 10% of our population. I gotta just shut up. I honestly don't know where I'm going here. I just wanna pray for you. I wanna commission you. I hope you receive the love of Jesus throughout this long service. I hope that you encounter his goodness, his power, and we'll have prayer teams come up here in a moment after I pray. As I pray, they'll be coming up. If you wanna receive Jesus as your savior, if you wanna give your heart to him, there's people up here that can help lead you through that. If you have through this service or through this prayer that I'm about to do, there's, there's an info bar out there. You can get more information. What's next? How do you get closer to Jesus? How do you join a group of people that, that wanna run with him and, and with you as well? That's great. Um, or if you need healing, if you need an encouraging word, which church language, if you need prophesied over, that gets weird because again, the church has perverted the heart behind some of these spiritual gifts. I'm gonna just go one more little tiny tangent. The spiritual gifts were always meant to reveal the Father's heart for people, for groups, for futures, for things. And his heart is a good heart. His heart is heavenly. And man starts to intervene and take over and it perverts prophecy and it becomes manipulative to say, well, I heard, I'm on TV, right? I heard that right now, 10 of you are gonna send in a thousand dollar gift right now, call this number. Yeah, that's manipulation and that's not the heart of the gifts of the father revealing his heart to his children. So again, that, if you want Jesus, accept Jesus. You won't regret it, I haven't. So let me just pray for you. The Great Commission, faith of mustard seeds that are gonna move some mountains, shut the mouths of lions, and reveal the heart of a really good father. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the new life. I thank you for the new life in your creation and your eternity, that eternity didn't, didn't just, uh, it doesn't start when we die, but eternity starts when we say yes to you and you live in us. So, Lord, I thank you for what's happened today. I thank you for the babies and the generation, Lord, that's coming. I thank you that the promises and the goodness in the next generation, not the curses and the, and the issues with it, Lord, but we ask for your promises to be fulfilled. Lord, I ask for increased faith and belief in you. Lord, that you don't, you're not a condemning God. You're not, you're not sitting there waiting for us to mess up. You're a loving, kind God with your arms that were spread open on a cross to welcome us into an embrace and a hug, Jesus. And I thank you for that. Lord, my prayer today is that we will reveal you for who people need. Your love, your goodness, your power, your mercy, your grace. Let us reveal you, the real you your real nature. Lord, I just I ask that we don't manipulate and that we don't just have agendas to build numbers and build churches that are corporations. But you build a home where families can come to know you again. Children can come back and say yes to you. So Lord, I thank you. We ask that we will fulfill your great commission to go make disciples in all nations and that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Congrats. We celebrate you, baptism folks and babies. We love you guys. Have an amazing day. We'll see you next week.